This is Daniel Figella. You're listening to the AI in Business podcast. In times of great change, there's a lot of aspects of normal that we have to kind of check ourselves on. There's new business models, there's new customer preferences, and to some degree, there's new regulation. Artificial intelligence regulation is already new, but if we think about what the business consequences of that regulation will be and how it might change as we're going through this massive economic downturn, these are factors that I think almost everyone, not only in financial services, but in business in general, is probably curious about. This week, we have on the program Liga Simani. She is a policy advisor with the European Banking Federation. She's previously held positions at the European Commission and in government relations at Accenture. Liga speaks with us this week about the AI use cases in financial services that have enough traction to actually warrant some thought about governance, some thought about policy today. So what's making its way along into the industry with enough speed and veracity that policymakers are actually thinking about it. And then secondly, how policy might shift and change, you know, how we can actually go about regulating these kinds of technologies and if and how that regulation will shift under this massive economic downturn that we're enduring right now. A bit of an outside perspective on this important topic. I think that getting as much varied perspective as we can on this issue is about as critical as it gets to being able to navigate what our future holds and what we should do now. This is one of dozens of interviews that we've conducted for a recent report that we've put together called the AI for Business Continuity Action Plan. The AI for Business Continuity Action Plan will eventually be offered for sale on Emerge.com slash reports, but we are currently giving it away free with a membership of Emerge Plus. Uh, Emerge Plus, for those of you who aren't aware, is the full library of our AI best practice guides for adopting AI, for garnering AI ROI, for deploying artificial intelligence, as well as our full visual search feature for being able to find applications. If you want to know where computer vision is making a difference across sectors, if you want to know where revenue is being improved across different sectors, this simple visual search tool will allow you to look between oil and gas and banking and retail to be able to find applications and trends that matter most to you, as well as deep dives into big companies from an HSBC to a Walmart and beyond. You'll be able to see their AI applications as well. That's all at Emerge Plus. And this report, while it will be available for hundreds of dollars on Emerge.com slash reports, is now available free. You can make sure you can get this report with the first month of Emerge Plus at emerj.com slash a P1. That's A as in action, P as in plan, and then the number one, emerge.com slash AP1. The focus of the report are near-term use cases for business continuity and resilience, leverage points to focus on now, and how to turn risk mitigation investments in artificial intelligence and technology into winning new business models, how to actually be pivoting towards the future rather than just dealing with the problems of today. And there's plenty of excellent AI insight in the report, so I admonish you to check it out. That's emerj.com slash AP1. Without further ado, we're going to fly in. This is Liga here with us on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Liga, I know that sort of governing these new AI applications in terms of setting regulatory standards and determining the ramifications is a lot of your work. I think an interesting perspective here would be to ask you, what are the AI applications that are getting enough traction, that are making their way enough into banking, where we even have to think about regulation? What are, what are some of those use cases? So uh, thanks, Dan. And I just want to say thank you for having uh, the opportunity to be on and, 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 and to chat with you on these issues. 
And before I start, I just want to say that so I'm working at the EBF and uh, we're representing 32 national banking associations, which together represents some 3,500 banks in Europe, uh, both wholesale and retail, large and small. And I think overall, um, digitalization is a big focus for banks and a big um, priority. And then that line, of course, AI, which I think overall presents a lot of opportunities for the sector. Just to list, I think, you know, I like to think of it in three groups, uh, enhancing customer interaction and experience, enhancing efficiency of banking processes, and also enhancing security and risk control. But I think really the main one under that is the opportunity to really adopt an even stronger consumer-centric approach to really empower consumers with more innovative services. And while doing that, of course, making sure that they're secure and that we're delivering them as efficiently as possible. And so in that sense, it's not surprising that banks are continuing really to invest in research and development of AI. And that's coming to play an integral role in the range of their um, activities. And I think in some of the use cases more, it's if we take, for example, I think we have several, but maybe before we jump to the why they're thinking about the the regulation, if I can give one, such as the example of sure, yeah. uh, the, the prevention of fraud, perhaps then we can look at what are some of the obstacles that, that could be preventing from really implementing that use case. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I'd like to touch on, frankly, a couple use cases before we dive mm-hmm. into regulation. So fraud is obviously exceedingly popular in terms of a, a low-hanging fruit use case for banks. Go ahead and maybe talk about that. And maybe we could talk a little bit about customer-facing stuff too. But, but yeah, l- lay it on us. Yeah, sounds good. So I think really AI and fraud detection can help, of course, to reduce high positives and therefore, in, you know, which impacted the customer experience. And I think overall, for me, the main point, I mean, not really going into the technicalities, but to mention really what are the opportunities for evolution there? Because, for example, if we take reinforcement learning, you know, this could be a new way of, of, of dealing with fraud. Instead of waiting for the fraudsters to make the first move, reinforcement learning looks at modeling how the, the fraudster behavior and then continually trying to break the system with that. And as a result, you know, banks can expose the flaws before the, the fraudster hits with them themselves. So I think if with banks using AI in this area, it's also important to keep in mind how AI can evolve and as the technology evolves and then this use case can evolve as well. And of course, the benefits are that the cost of fraud is very high. And now with our economy being digital and the society being also a a digital society, really, that fraudsters are really taking advantage of these new challenges and the systems and the vulnerabilities. But like with anything, to really, I think, improve this use case and to, to make it, the let's say, really optimal, there are some challenges such as making use of more data so and appropriate algorithms so there can be to block more frauds, a more efficient and faster feedback return about status and targets. So I think, I mean, for me, the enhancing this, the, the security and fraud prevention, it holds a lot of opportunities, but also in terms of how the technology can evolve. But then, as I mentioned, to really get some of the benefits, we need to, to address some challenges such as accessing more data to improve that that process. Do you feel comfortable diving into maybe one or two other use cases of the kinds of things you're thinking about regulating? You know, you mentioned the customer facing, customer service type experience applications. Is, is there anything there that's sort of on your radar, any use case that you could articulate? I mean, when we're talking about maybe in the 
what specific use cases. I think maybe it's even helpful to more look at the broader landscape first, actually, of the whole governance debate. Because I think that could actually help to answer the question of like, if there's any specific use cases where we need regulation. Because for regulation, on one hand, it's like, if I think about it, of course, if there's any gaps in existing measures. So say, say if we take what's happening out there right now, the AI governance debate. For me, it's important to start with, okay, when it started a couple of years ago, there was this idea that you need to regulate AI. You need to regulate all AI applications because there's nothing out there and it's a wild west. But actually, I think since then, there's been an appreciation, or I hope that there's been an appreciation, that there's actually existing regulation, both from horizontal regulation and sectoral legislation, which, which addresses some of the risks of AI and that actually companies which are applying AI and including banks have to comply with. So for example, if we take horizontal uh, legislation and the classic one is the general data protection regulation, I mean, that has a risk-based approach. It's technology neutral. You have accountability principles and you need to comply with GDPR when you're implementing AI and if you're using personal data. And then we will look at sectoral uh, legislation and banks being a highly regulated sector there's many specific requirements which affect the life cycle of, of AI already. So if we take, for example, a use case of robo-advisors. So if this is being applied, actually, then if you say, okay, does this use case need regulation? Well, actually, there is, whether automated or not, banks in Europe have to respect an array of horizontal and sectoral uh, legislation when offering investment advice, for example, the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive 2. So this is kind of why I wanted to start from the bigger picture and go, okay, what is the big AI debate? We're talking about regulating AI, what's existing at horizontal, what's sectoral, and if we look at application level and the specific use case, what is already out there that applies? It's important to look at what's already existing before yeah. we jump yeah. right ahead to say we yeah. need to regulate. So sorry, I kind of inverted no, the, that's the, fine. the, the yeah, pyramid yeah. Of, the, so of the question. <laughs> let me let me know if I can nutshell what you said here, uh, Liga, just in terms of con- conveying it to the audience. So what you're getting at is that rather than sort of going into this wild west with a new wild west legal approach, we can ask, what do these AI applications enable? And if we look at the actual actions taken, the data used, the outputs delivered, whatever the case may be, are there already standards and you know regulations somewhere else, a set of rules or best practices somewhere else that we can sort of use as maybe a layer there instead of treating every application like it's some kind of unique you know chess problem that we have to build a unique chess solution uh, legal framework around? Is, is that a correct sort of nutshelling? Yes, and I think much more uh, much more <laughs> nicely worded than I tried to explain. Oh, no, 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 but no, I think, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But I think even but on one hand, why I think. That that's the first step. But I think there is also merit in asking within, you know, for example, a specific use case or a specific uh, regards to a specific re- regulation is, you know, is there a need for clarification? You know, if we're in to GDPR and a data minimization principle where actually to have more accurate results than less advanced analytic techniques, you can have more accurate results because you're processing more large volumes of diverse and quality data, which can then help reduce the risk of bias outcomes. So, but if the 
data minimization principle is in the GDPR, do we need to maybe clarify that actually for AI development, how will it be interpreted? So I think even like a step beyond is that, okay, maybe then there is something existing, but in regards to a use case or more generally AI application, does something need to be clarified? Because that's also an, an important step for me. Yeah, yeah. So this is sort of, is this a process you've had to go through kind of over and over when addressing or looking at examining these new use cases that keep developing? Is that almost like the the set of steps you're repeatedly going over with your teams and your organization? I mean, as well, in the European Banking Federation, really, my work focuses on more on, on, on policy. So I think working with our members and their technical experts who are who are doing this, let's say, on the ground, this is the type of discussions that the, the type of questions that are coming up, you know, okay, I'm implementing AI, but you know, there, there might be uncertainty around how this principle applies. So it's more about kind of the, the ongoing discussions and the feedback that we receive, because at European level, there is a debate about AI governance. So I think maybe if I'm not, you know, doing this on the ground from a technical level, these are questions that, you know, that we are, that we are getting. And that of course could have uh, an impact on the, um, in the wider debate on, on AI governance. Is there anywhere, you know, just to get us an example here, is, is there anywhere where we could talk about, you know, speaking of governance and is there maybe an example of some of the rubber meeting the road here. I think a lot of the listeners are in the business world. They're they're kind of wondering how are these applications going to develop? And that's why I talked to you about use cases and that's a lot of mm-hmm. our podcast. But the other side is what are the implications? And some of that is how it's going to be regulated. You know, they're looking forward into the future and trying to figure out where is this going to affect us, whether it's the tech, the regulation, whatever the case may be. Are there any examples of, you know, regulatory moves forward that actually you know, have to do with a, a concrete AI use case that we would talk about? Or is it, is there a little bit too much that's more kind of in the ether in the process right now? Or are there any concrete ones we could, we could address? Oh, I think it's now, I mean, the wider debate. I mean, if you want to look, I mean, beyond financial services, the European Commission produced a white paper where yep. it puts forward a proposal for a regulation for high-risk applications of AI. So really it's taken a risk-based approach both looking at, you know, a sectors that where there could be risks. And then secondly, if a use of a certain type of application could cause a risk, for example, to a person's life. Um, and then if it would fall in the scope, they would fall to certain mandatory requirements. So I think, you know, there in certain sectors, for example, the health sector is mentioned that could be high risk, you know, there when the legislation is published and if the mandatory requirements are put over, then of course, come you know, certain AI applications, if they fall in the scope, could face mandatory requirements in, um, in training data, in um, transparency obligations, and for example, identifying when humans are I- interacting with an AI. So to identify if an, if an AI system, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just listing some of them which are in the white paper. Yep. So those are more concrete, you know, that could face, you know, when you're saying something that is, you know, already out there. But this is still in the process of, you know, the thinking and the consulting, because I think the risk based approach is is a good one, because I think when you're looking at um, it's not really about the technology. And this is something that I think is important. It's about how it is used and the specific application. So I think that's a good way to go. But of course, it needs to be. Yeah, fleshed out and, yeah, in exactly, addition. Yeah. Exactly. But I think right now, what is positive, though, is that it's not, 
if not blanket regulation, which I think would, if you know, to practitioners on the podcast listening, you know, hearing that, I think it's, it's, it's a sigh of relief because a couple of years ago, I mean, even me, who's more on the policy side, you know, regulating AI, what does that even mean? You know, does it, it means anything and everything? Is it all yep, applications? Yep. So now taking a targeted risk-based approach, I think that's important, but I think really fleshing out the specific mandatory requirements. And of course, you know, as always, does it work in practice? Can it be implemented? How does it work with existing systems? Is it working in the sector? That's really important questions to ask. And I think something which uh, they're trying to do now in this consultation period. Got it. Well, thinking about a consultation period, I mean, I, I think we've done a lot of interviews with entrepreneurs in Europe. We, we do plan on actually having a series here on the AI and Business podcast about where, where we're going to publish them sort of, I think, every Thursday for a month or so. And there's a lot of feedback that obviously the European ecosystem of, of innovation is a lot more regulation sort of focused than, than maybe the United States. And, and in some regards, that might be for the better. I'm not, I'm not making a value judgment necessarily. But just looking at the situation we're coming into now, you know, this economic hit is looking to be pretty major compared to you know 2008. Just looking to be kind of a potentially another level of hardship uh, economically for a lot of different folks. You know, there's some talk about you know in Asia they're maybe making regulation a little bit easier for certain blockchain technologies to come through or certain other kinds of technologies and fintech stuff to sort of come through. If it's going to drive efficiencies, if it's going to get get us back on our feet, do you think that? there might be a period of greater sort of innovation allowance, maybe to, no, I'm not saying at the expense of human rights or something insane. I'm, I'm just saying to some degree on the continua of pure regulation, we can't do anything, pure innovation, lawless wild west. Are we going to slide a little bit more towards the innovation side during this really rough hubbub? Or do you think that that really won't affect the way that regulation operates and develops around AI? So I think that that remains to be seen. And I think in the AI, in terms of the AI policy, um, you know, as we understand, that's still as the situation develops. So I think this area will develop as well. But I think what's that with the release of, I think, the white paper and also something to mention, I briefly touched upon in terms of an obstacle is, is, is access to data, a kind of a commitment to really increase access to data in Europe. And those two streams, I think, already kind of do set on a more pro pro innovation approach. But I think it's it's to be seen uh, in terms how it, you know, the final outcome. Yeah. But what it will show, I think, is the opportunities that technology offers. And if we go back, I mean, to the fraud use case, I think now already seeing, unfortunately, the number of, for example, scams that have proliferated since the start of the situation and how you've had warnings about yeah, from fraudsters trying to take advantage crazy. of this vulnerabilities and uncertainties. I think, you know, having the tools such as AI to help, you know, spot fraud is a very useful tool right now. And anything that can, you know, because the last thing you want to be thinking about is someone, you know, identity theft, for example, when you have your health to think about. So I think in that sense, what this situation could show is really also the opportunities of technology. And then maybe coming back to your first point, then that could maybe feed into back into a larger reflection of which direction to go. Yeah, yeah. With Okay, so yeah, so there might be an innovation spurt to handle the immediate problem, and that might help inform the governance conversation. So um, I think so. 
And I think you've had also like calls and support for innovative companies that are looking at ways to tackle the situation. And I think that's positive from from the innovation perspective and also for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So it it sounds like, you know, just closing note here, uh, Liga, I'm aware of where we are on time, but I do want to just get this, shake this out. You know, we we look at kind of immediate areas where AI might still play a role. Of course, the adoption time, the time to ROI with AI is not always immediate. And so it'd be very childish to go out and tell everybody to start investing in AI. But there are some areas like insurance fraud is going to probably go through the roof. You know, it it definitely did in 2008 in the United States. Um, Same thing with chargebacks and friendly fraud on kind of credit card companies and payments. So there's there's applications for detecting fraud there that are actually kind of low hanging fruit. Well, uh, fingers crossed that uh, the economic condition improves and also that we find that middle ground between innovation and regulation. I know that you're you're part of that ongoing activity. So Liga, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to join us here on the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So that's all for the AI and Business Podcast. As our clients and subscribers here at Emerge are focused more and more on what they should be doing and how they should be responding to the coronavirus, we are all the more frantically gathering interviews, perspectives, and advice from smart folks around the world on exactly that topic. And that means that for many weeks, we're going to be doubling down on the podcast. This week, we have a special Thursday episode coming on, again, about responding to the coronavirus and how it's sort of shifting business priorities. Regardless of what industries you're in, you're going to want to make sure to tune in for this coming Thursday for a special Thursday episode. And I hope we have a lot more like them as we cover all the more ardently the changing landscape of technology priorities and of business opportunities amidst the coronavirus. So stay tuned for Thursday, and I look forward to catching you then.